Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson. And Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. If you've been listening for any length of time at all, you know Bridget and I love a good things to-do list, but we also love a not to-do list. You know, all the things to stop doing. (laughs) So in this episode, we're going to break down five things to avoid when organizing your teacher desk. Oh, I'm going to need these. (laughs) But first, let's listen to a TSH from Jennifer. Jennifer says, my reading and math classroom routines are designed around daily five and guided math. So my students are doing centers while I work with a small group. My centers are usually activities for students that help them review skills we have learned. My problem is, is that my students hand in their work from centers for accountability, but I don't always have time to mark it at all. Then I feel guilty or I have a stack of work that I don't feel the need to mark or assess and I feel guilty again. But sometimes there is just so much paperwork and not enough time to go through all of it. Do I need to mark everything that crosses my desk? Do I need to look at every sheet of paper? Do I need to send every sheet of paper home to parents? Any tips or advice on how to manage the overload of marking or not marking assignments? Mm. Jennifer, I ran into this exact same problem when I taught second grade because I utilized daily five and a guided math model. So let's go through those questions. Do you need to mark everything that crosses your desk? No. Do you need to look at every sheet of paper? Heck no. Do you need to send home every sheet of paper to parents? Absolutely freaking not. And in fact, the parents don't want you to. Like if that folder comes home stuffed with papers every day, they're they're not looking at them. They're putting them in the trash. Let's be honest. So here are just like a few tips of how to, you know, stop the guilt and be able to feel a little bit more in control in this area. So first, digitize as much as you can. So think about, is there a way you can turn some of these center submissions into like Google Forms? So they still have to do the work, but maybe they're just submitting answers through a Google Form and you can even have them attach like a picture of their work if you need that accountability. The second tip is to consider having a grading station. So it can be an area of the classroom where students go, there's pens that they have to use and an answer key. That way they can check their own work and that way they can actually find their mistakes right away. And a second part of it could be they then have to go back and like fix those mistakes. Mm -hmm. So once they know the answer, it's like, okay, but why is that that answer? And maybe when they go back to their seats, they use like a colored pencil to rework it or something like that. Make it work for you. And then my third tip is to maybe block off a little time at the end of the week to review the work with students. So this doesn't have to be a long period of time. I'm thinking even like 15 minutes on a Friday. You have your students get out all of their work from that week, from all their centers. Maybe they keep them in a folder throughout the week. And you're just going to quickly like go through the answers. And while this is happening, you can be walking around. You will very quickly see the students who actually did the work and the students that didn't. So you can just be jotting down notes of like, hey, this student needs more support. This student didn't get to it. I need to figure out why. You don't have to look through every single paper in order to know that. Like you can literally just kind of take some anecdotal notes as you walk around the room. 
I feel like you just need like one of those little applauds, <laughs> like sound effects, because all of those ideas were fantastic. And I completely agree with Michelle. I never, I mean, I didn't really have to do guided math. I feel like everything that I did was just a little bit different. Yeah. And I did have to run a daily five. And I think that that was probably one of the biggest struggles that I had was just figuring out like how to ensure that students knew what they were doing, because you don't want them practicing things that are incorrect. Yeah. So having the self-check station is perfect and ideal. Another thing that I would suggest, um, just to kind of add on to a little bit of what Michelle said, is to pick and choose which items you want to collect. So maybe you do want to take a couple of things to grade or just to sell, to assess with students. Mm. So decide maybe that week, okay, if I'm looking at these five stations, which is going to be the item that maybe I want to check and collect and look over to ensure students are getting and understanding the practice. Mm -hmm. And so that would give you a really good idea if you need to pull any form of flexible grouping based off of are students retaining the information that you've previously taught. Something else that I would recommend is just going off of how Michelle said to collect all of the materials and then to check through it. You could even pick the students that you know are, know are going to need more support than others. And then just meet with those students during individual conferences and look over that work with them. So that way it's a little bit more meaningful. And if you notice that there's something that's just standing out to you, you can quickly give them some uh, tips, have them go back and then redo it so that they are practicing that material correctly. Yeah, that's why I always utilize that ketchup and pickle time on Fridays. Yes. So catch up and pickle time is an opportunity for students to catch up on work they didn't do. And if they're all caught up, they become a pickle and they get to pick an activity that keeps your students accountable mm -hmm. because they want to be a pickle. They want to do the fun stuff. So they'll make sure they get their work done throughout the week. And then while students are getting their work done or getting caught up or picking an activity, that's when you can be pulling those students that need that support. So it's kind yes. of like a, a win, win, win situation. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great tips. Bridget, I have a question for you. Okay. Growing up, mm -hmm. like when you were a student in school, did you ever have any teachers with like crazy teacher desks? Okay. So <laughs> I have the worst memory of all of anyone, I think. <laughs> I don't remember any of my teachers. Like, I don't mm. remember them. I don't know what they look like. Like, I can see outlines of people. Oh. Maybe that's just because <laughs> I have terrible memory when it comes to this. Um, but I do know of teachers that have a hot mess right now for their <laughs> teacher desk. <laughs> Does that count? Can I say that? Bless your heart. Sure, that can count. Okay, um, <laughs> that made me laugh. So I had a history teacher in eighth grade. I, I kid you not. I understand it's very ironic. His name was Mr. Apple. Okay. Stop it. I'm just going to paint a picture for you. Okay. <laughs> he had, so he was older because I think he retired a couple years after I left, but um, he had hair down to probably like his chin. So it was like kind of this long straight hair. It was like a, a parted dirty- in the middle? Parted in the middle. Yes. Okay. <laughs> kind of dirty blonde, but also like gray, you know, that little mixture. And then he had a big handlebar mustache. Okay. He almost looked like, like a motorcycle guy, but he didn't ride a motorcycle. Okay. Okay. However, his desk was the teacher desk equivalent of a Mary Poppins, Mary, Mary Poppins bag. Okay. Okay. He never sat at his desk and worked at it, but in the middle of a lesson, he would like go behind it and stuff was piled up. I mean, this like, it's oh, almost bless. like he disappeared back there and he would come out with the most random items. I'm talking swords. Like at one point he has what? a legit sword. Now I don't think it was sharp, but it was like the size of his leg. Okay. Oh, Maps, 
everything. He was also that teacher that would convince us like, well, when I was around, when they wrote the declaration, we're like, Mr. Apple, come on. We know you weren't alive. No, no, no. Like he, <laughs> bless his heart. He, he was a good, he was a good teacher. I hated history, but I enjoyed that year. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad that he made you excited about history, but this is not the model that we want to live by as teachers, <laughs> especially having in swords inside of your desk. I'm pretty sure that would get you arrested this time, this day and age. Um, But last year, we did an episode all about desk organization. That's going to be episode 088. It's called Teacher Desk Organization 101. In this episode, we're talking about teacher desk organization, but we're going to talk about the mistakes that you are wanting to avoid this year. Love a good not to do list. So the first thing we don't want you to do is fill the space with items that serve no purpose. We're talking about all the little trinkets and the knickknacks. Okay. Those little decoration items that are cute, but don't really serve a purpose. I'm talking ceramic pencils and I'm calling myself out on this because I bought one of those before my first year of teaching and it it didn't do anything except get in the way and then eventually got broken when a student knocked what it off. What are the ceramic pencils? Like it was probably, mm, I'm going to say somewhere between like six and eight inches long. <laughs> what I'm doing with my hands right now is probably not right, but it was just <laughs> the, <laughs> this like ceramic pencil that was decoration. That's all there was to so it. So it was it, just a, a It was a cute. It was just a pencil. It wasn't a bank. It wasn't like it served no purpose. It didn't hold anything. It didn't (laughs) Didn't have your name in it. Nope. 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 It was just cute. That's why when you're like, well, what did it? No, nothing. It did nothing. Um, This could also include like those gifts that you get from students, the things that they make and then you like display on your desk. I'll come back to that. It might also include like stuffed animals. Now, I'm not telling you to get rid of all of them. If an item truly makes you happy when you look at it or it serves as, as some kind of a reminder to you, you can keep it. You just don't want an abundance. You don't want to have a zoo of stuffed animals in or around your desk. So we suggest auditing these items and deciding what to keep or what to get rid of or maybe what to move to a different space. In order to do this, you need to first dedicate a certain amount of space. Like you need to have an allotment and you're like, once this is filled, I need to do something. So personally, my students got me stuffed sloths all the time and I had a shelf of sloths. I would only keep what would fit on that shelf. Now, did I sometimes cram them in there to get a few more? Sure. Did it look overly comfortable for the sloths? No, but I made it work. Obviously, the amount of space you dedicate really depends on like your desk size and consider ways that you could maybe maximize space. So if you have a computer monitor that sits on your desk, maybe you can have it sit on a little stand so that way you have space underneath where you could display items. Or if you have cabinets, maybe you're going to utilize the top of the cabinets. I know according to fire code, you probably shouldn't do that. I always move this stuff when they came around to check, but it's an option. If your desk is metal and you maybe want to have pictures, you could use magnets and have them sit like on the actual desk. The second tip is to then find ways to use items. So if you have a mug that students have given you, could you use it to hold pens? That way it's serving a purpose. You could also consider rotating items monthly. I am doing this with Ember's toys because she has now accumulated a lot of toys and she doesn't like destroy toys. It takes a long time for the toy to get destroyed. So we now have a plethora of toys and we have started a rotation. So at the end of the month, I take out some toys and put new ones in. Are you still doing BarkBox? I am still doing BarkBox and I 
flipping love it. They're I get so, so excited. Right? I get so excited. Does Probably she more get excited, excited too when I the was going to say, no, I don't think she knows. I, she hasn't put it together because I get a lot of boxes. <laughs> okay. Um, and then the final tip would be to have a box where you could keep like gifts from students or cards and things that you want to hold on to that way. Maybe you have it sit on your desk for like a week or a month and then it gets put mm-hmm. into the box. Yeah, I plan on having a box like in a little cabinet just for student gifts so that I can just kind of maintain them and then just figure out what to do with them at the end of the year. I hate saying that, but they're so hard. You got to do it. It's so much. Okay, so the second thing to avoid is keeping more than you need at your desk. So I don't know about y'all, but there is something comforting about just having all the things that you need <laughs> as a teacher. It's like having a security blanket. Um, where are my 31 teacher bags at? Like, I right? Had, I had two of them. Okay. And you had everything, right? Let me guess. You had every single colored pen on there. Mm-hmm. You had highlighters. You maybe mm-hmm. even had some tape in it. Like mm-hmm. you carried that bag back and forth, back and forth, but you probably didn't even touch it when you went home. <laughs> Correct. And it had those outer pockets that were adorable, but not functional because I'd have all my pens in there. And then when I would lean over to pick up something, all of the pens would fall out of the bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, but it's really funny. So while it might be comforting, it's just not conducive to your focus. It's going to end up making you feel stressed because you're going to have clutter everywhere. So you need to limit how much you keep at your desk. If you have sticky notes, keep one or two. You don't need to have every single rainbow color. Although it's going to aesthetically look really, really pretty, you don't have to have all of that stuff at your desk. Throw it into backstock, and as you need to replenish, you can go and grab the sticky notes as you need it. It's getting those steps in, guys. Let's just think about that the whole time, (laughs) getting steps in. If you also find materials that you're not using at your desk, then you need to clean them out regularly and store them in a different location in your classroom. So I would often, I'm I'm terrible at my desk organization. Like I feel like I'm sitting here and I'm a fraud giving some of these tips, but it's because I get busy as a teacher, okay? Things happen, um, but I will do better this year, I promise. Uh, so I would often find like things in my drawers. Guys, I had like student lost items. I had jewelry from students. <laughs> I had like all of these little paper, little items. Like some of my kids would create little paper animals. And for some yeah. reason, I would have them stored inside <laughs> of my desk drawer. <laughs> you had that zoo. I did. Um, has, do you know the little animals, but they're like erasers and then you yes. can like pull the parts. I had yes. a ton of those. Like anything and everything you could think of, I had it inside of this desk. Hence the Mary Poppins reference from the last episode that we'd shared. Um, if you have a set of XO markers, let's be honest, you don't need a full like 12 of them. You just need one of them keep one. If you have multiple sets of pins, just keep some of them out, put the rest in back stock. Notepads, large stacks of like reward systems, find ways to reduce the amount of items that you have sitting in that desk. If you have less items at your desk, then you're going to end up feeling less stressed and you're going to be able to focus a lot more. So, That is that second thing to avoid. Right now, we are going to head and take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk all about those loose items that magically appear. (laughs) 
Hey, Bridget, question for you. Are you still doing those arm exercises I showed you when I last visited? Yeah, I have. I've even gone up to 20 pounds, so I'm super impressed with myself. But my arms are always really sore. I'm just grateful that I don't have to carry a ton of items inside of my teacher bag every day. Yeah, because you do all of your planning digitally, right? Of course I do. You know that I've been a digital planner for years now. I use our digital teacher planner on my iPad, and I love that I have access to my plans everywhere I go. Now, I was always team Google Slides, but thankfully, our digital teacher planner comes in two formats, so you can choose between a tablet version and a Google Slides version. Plus, I love that I have every checklist I need for the school year, so I can stay on top of my game and spend time with my family on the weekends. Now, if you want to be like Bridget and get some of your time back by planning digitally, you can grab our planner in our store at teachingonthedouble.com slash store. We have all the different planner options available, plus you can customize the planner you you choose with digital stickers we have available in our store as well. We have monthly stickers, header stickers, and fitness stickers if you're trying to up your workout game like me. <laughs> you're going to be so buff the next time I see you. <laughs> I can't wait. Now, we also have a set of stickers you can download for free, no purchase required. You can grab those by clicking the black button at the top of our website that says free stickers. So head on over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com, and get started with digital planning today. We're back and we're ready to talk about those loose items. But first, if y'all heard that text message that I received, I would just like to point out the irony. It was from the container store. I was getting a text from the container store. It's as if it knew we were recording this episode. We're going to just, okay, let's talk about these text messages that Michelle gets, okay? Because when she was here visiting me the last (laughs) time, I know what's coming. She signed me up for. Crunch, Crunch fitness. Yes. I had to go and sign up. Okay. And so these people had my phone number. And so I'm sitting here and we're like doing stuff, right? We're working hard. And I get a text message. And you know how it tells you like hit no if you don't want to like if you don't want to receive the text messages anymore. I hit no, right? And then like the next day, I get another text message and I hit no, like all X, like big O, in O. And then all of a sudden I get a text reply that says, okay, well, I just wanted to see if you were still interested. And I'm like, oh, son of a nutcracker. It was a real person behind that text message at freaking French Crunch Fitness. I will never be able to show my face there again. Well, first of all, it's not your fault. They are extremely persistent with their texts, emails. I'm still getting them all. And I keep like unsubscribing, opting out. And I'm like, why am I still getting them? It's insane. Terrible. I mean, they must be hurting for business because they're... She gets so many text messages from so many different promotions. (laughs) Yes, I do. I sign up for all of the text things. Maybe it just makes me feel good when I get text messages. I don't know. (laughs) But I have the Container Store, Built Bar, Chili's was texting me for the longest time. I'm like, I haven't been to Chili's in four years, but I'm still like, oh, I can go get a free appetizer. It's a problem. Anyway, the third thing we want you to avoid doing is collecting items without a home. This refers to any of those random items you collect on your desk from papers to pens to those items that you have confiscated from students, like the little erasers that Bridget was mentioning. (laughs) Every item that goes on your desk needs a home. It needs a place to call its own. And I now realize that kind of rhymes and it sounds adorable. But this is going to help you maintain your organization and avoid creating clutter over time. Because once you have a little clutter, it somehow mushrooms into a hot mess. So here are a few examples. 
you might have a specific drawer or a series of shelves for any papers that come onto your desk. You might have a cabinet for storing all of your books. You might have a caddy to hold and organize your pens and markers. You might have a holder for your sticky notes, and then it's going to limit you to how many sticky notes you can keep on your desk because you don't need them in rainbow colors like I had for many years. <laughs> you might also have Velcro. So I always had remotes. I had like a projector remote. I had a document camera remote. And goodness knows, I would carry that around the room with me, put it down, and then never find it. So I needed to create a home for it. And I actually stuck a piece of Velcro on the back and I would Velcro it to my document camera. So at the end of the day, like I would stick it back on the document camera and it was like, ah, it is home. No, it girl, is. that doesn't work for me. You know what I need? I need like one of those retractable like things where it's like completely stuck to it. And when I let it go, it just goes and it goes right back to where it's supposed to be. Yeah, well... Good luck with that. Um, Thank you. I'm going to invent that. It's going to be great. I mean, I think it's a good idea. It's in in practice, maybe a little bit more difficult. It might break stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's possible. You might want to have some insurance. Um, So if an item does not have a home, you either need to create a home for it or put it somewhere else. So for example, when I started teaching fourth grade, our district had a redo policy. So students were able to redo any assignment they received below a 70 on, and they could do up to three redos per subject area per marking period. So my desk became the little redo home for all of these papers. Students would come up and put it on my desk. And I realized like, I need a bin for this. I need a place to put these Mm -hmm. so that I can take care of them because I'd have to get them like a new copy of the assignment and staple it. And it was a whole ordeal. Also, student lost and found. I found ironically, that I was constantly like picking up sweatshirts and water bottles and folders that students left behind and they would end up on my desk. And I realized like, I don't want this here. Okay. I don't want this dirty little sweatshirt sitting on my desk. So instead I moved all of those items onto my back counter, created a space for it. And then my students were responsible for taking items over there and then for finding things from the lost and found, because otherwise it became very crowded very quickly. I need, you just reminded me, I need to create a little bin of lost and found items for my classroom. So I'm like writing down all these little things that are coming up because I'm like, oh yeah, I need to create that section inside of the classroom. Oh, the joy of starting in a new room. All right. So the fourth thing that you are wanting to avoid is storing curriculum materials at your desk. If you plan at school, which you should be planning at school, you probably want to keep all of your planning materials near you. I completely understand because I am the exact same way. But this all like goes back to this whole security blanket thing. (laughs) But here's the thing. Curriculum materials are bulky and they don't give you any value on your desk once you are done planning with them. These are going to be items such as curriculum maps, pacing guides, activity or story collections for like reference that you might be pulling from, large teacher curriculum books. I'm thinking like Harcourt or Wonders, things like that. Mm-hmm. So a great rule of thumb for deciding whether these materials need to stay at your desk or if you can store them in a different location is that if you don't use it while you are teaching that specific lesson, then store it in a different location. You can make copies, you can create them digitally, you can store them inside of a folder and then reference them that way. So then you don't have a ton of items covering up your desk and making you feel overwhelmed. And nobody wants to sit there and look at these huge planning pieces that they have or curriculum pieces on their desk. They, It's kind of like a 
scary reminder that, oh, I got to plan next week all the time. <laughs> that would give me anxiety. Um, so on the day that you do your planning, you can just pull out your materials. It's as simple as that. You can create like subcategory bins for your planning day. So like, let's say on Monday, you plan all of your ELA stuff. So you might have a bin inside of a cabinet that is strictly for Monday planning. And it has all of the ELA materials that you're going to need. Pull that bin out, put it down, plan, and then put it away once you're done. You're going to feel so accomplished after that. So the fifth and final thing we want you to avoid is friction. So friction refers to anything that is making it harder for you to get what you need in order to perform a task. So here's an example. If your desk drawer is cluttered with supply items, it's going to take you longer than what it should take you in order to find the pen you're looking for or mm -hmm. the whiteout tape. So a cluttered desk is an example of friction. Instead, you might need to get some bins in order to organize it so it's easier to find what you need. Here are a few other examples you might find relevant within your classroom of, of areas or situations where you might be experiencing friction. If you are constantly trying to plug in your phone, I know this is me. I have, you mentioned like a security blanket. I have this like phobia of running out of battery on my phone. So yes. no matter what I'm doing, I'm like, I got to plug in my phone. I got to plug in my phone. And Billy gets mad at me because in the his car, when he's driving, there's only one like USB cord. And as soon as we get in, I plug my phone and then he'll look over at me and he's like, how much battery you have? And I'm like, 98%. He's like, Michelle, I'm at like 30. Give me the cord. <laughs> she was like this when she was here. We were getting ready because she had a flight to catch at the end yes. of it. Her, she, every room that she went into, she was like, do you have a plug? Can I plug my phone in? She was like, I don't want it to die. And I'm like, I completely understand. But you realize there are outlets in the airport, right? <laughs> I know. And I even have one of those portable charging packs that I carry with me so I could recharge my phone. It's, it's a weird fear. Anyway, if at your computer desk, let's say your CPU unit where you're going to plug in like USB is on the floor. This is how mine was. If you're constantly like bending down in order to put in a like USB charger and then plugging in your phone, like that's a waste of your time. You're probably going to bump your head. It's not ideal. So instead, you could either always leave a cord plugged in and then maybe you like clip it to your desk so it stays up mm -hmm. and you don't have to like bend down to get it. Or you can do what I did, have a wireless charger that sits by your computer. So all you have to do is set your phone on it. Oh, you don't even have to like plug glorious. it in. It's wonderful. I also ended up getting one of those units from Amazon. It wasn't very expensive, but it had like multiple USB plugs. And so I plugged that into the CPU unit and it had it sitting up by my desktop, like my monitor. Mm -hmm. So that way I could easily plug in USB without having to go like under my desk. That's so nice. pay attention to how you kind of flow around your workspace and try to identify those areas of friction. So ask yourself, where are you wasting time? What's taking you longer than it needs to? How can you be more efficient? If you're constantly having to like take a lid off of a bin that you're using like three times a day, maybe that bin doesn't need a lid. Okay. Try to remove as much friction as you can because it will make it much easier for you. Okay, so we are now going to recap the five things that you want to avoid when planning and organizing your teacher desk area. So first one to avoid is avoid filling the space with items that serve no purpose. Number two is avoid keeping more than you need. Number three is avoid collecting items without a home. Number four is avoid storing unnecessary curriculum materials. 
And number five is avoid friction. Now, if you want to hear more about teacher space and organizing your teacher desk, don't forget to head on over to episode 088, Teacher Desk Organization 101, where we give you all the tips and tricks on how to organize your ideal teacher space. Mm, That's such a great episode. That's going to be it for this episode. However, we would love for you to go over to our website. You can download some freebies. You can submit a time-sucking hurdle for a chance to be featured on a future episode. You can also listen to all of our previous episodes on there as well. So if you're working on your computer, you can just, you know, have it playing in the background. Just saying. We would also love for you to subscribe to our podcast. (laughs) That way you're notified every time we drop a new episode, which is every Thursday. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please, please, please leave us a review. It really does help us get into the ears of so many more teachers. And until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.